From Schwartz Media, filling in for Ruby Jones, I'm Elle Marsh. This is 7am. In recent weeks, we've seen chaos at airports around the country, and it's about to get a lot worse. Major airports and airlines have warned that the July school holidays could see even more delays and disruptions as they scramble to try and fill thousands of job vacancies. Of course, there's one Australian airline that used to fly above all the chaos, Qantas. It's long been one of the safest and most reliable airlines in the world. But now, is its reputation at risk? Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper, Rick Morton on how Qantas became one of the country's worst-performing airlines and the future of the company. It's Wednesday, June 22. All right, Rick, I think anyone who's been travelling at the moment or who knows anyone who's been travelling in this first half of the year, we'll know that it's been a bit chaotic at airports. Can you tell us, is flying actually more difficult than it was pre-pandemic? I I think the art of getting planes off the ground is more difficult, actually getting them in the air and getting passengers to their destinations with their luggage without major delay. It has been pretty chaotic over the last few months. Well, travellers are this morning being warned to brace for more delays at airports across the country. The chaos and crowds expected to last for weeks. It comes as Especially since Easter, when we essentially came back to the pre-COVID traffic volumes in domestic air travel. Good morning. Well, very busy scenes here at Melbourne Airport. Long lines here at the check-in counter. Uh, many flights actually with some delay or another. In fact, most flights at this point. And that's where this story really takes its root when people started going into state again. Mass airport delays in the lead up to the Easter holiday period. Travellers are experiencing long queues and they're missing flights. as There was a lot of friction at the airport terminals in terms of getting through security, in terms of, you know, actually boarding the plane if there was a plane that had the crew to take off and then if they got to the other end, whether they would actually, you know, find their luggage there because there were so many stories of people not just being uh, disconnected from their luggage but for having it lost completely. Uh, Melbourne Airport actually is expecting 1.4 million people to pass through its doors over the next couple of weeks. Or having been without it for days at a time, which is really unusual in that pretty well-oiled machine. I mean, aviation has to run like clockwork. We checked in our bags an hour before the flight, just cancelled. Qantas is as bad. I've had friends, same thing yesterday, cancelled an hour before the flight. And if you go back to when travel really started picking up again properly, when passengers flooded back into airports around April over the Easter break, Qantas was the airline that stood out for posting the worst airline industry performance statistics since recording of those stats began in 2003. Just 58.7% of Qantas flights actually arrived on time. That's worse than Virgin Australia or its own budget subsidiary Jetstar. And it's frankly a pretty sad state of affairs when the premium national carrier is falling to the bottom of the pack. Yeah, and that's not really what passengers have come to expect from Qantas, is it, Rick? No, not at all. And there's so many stories like this, and I mean so many. Just last week, one passenger, Eleanor Gordon-Smith, who's a PhD candidate, spoke out about her flight, Qantas Flight 8. It was cancelled without warning at 2am at Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport um, in the United States of America 
She said there was, and I, I'm quoting this, a plane load of people at check-in with nowhere to go and no guidance. She went on to say the Qantas desk isn't just unmanned, it has become a Lufthansa desk. No texts, phone calls, no updates on Google. The flight has disappeared from the internet. I've flown Qantas exclusively for 20 years, she said, and loved them, but you leave 300 people in an airport at 2 a.m. where there's no food on site, no hotel vouchers, and not one staff member turns up at any time um, when they said to board. And she went on to say, um, and forgive my French here, fuck Qantas. (laughs) That's pretty wild that they didn't even have a Qantas desk or any staff. That's, yeah, bizarre. It literally turned into a Lufthansa desk. That's quite a feat. I mean... When did things start to deteriorate for Qantas? It's clear that the whole aviation industry has been struggling to get back on its feet and is suffering from things like staff shortages. But why is Qantas particularly struggling? I think part of it actually is in their explanation for what happened around Easter because they're saying it's not just us. They're saying the whole aviation sector, not just in Australia, but around the world is suffering. In fact, there are skills shortages everywhere in, in most industries like hotels and, and things like that. But that is a convenient way of looking at something that they performed the worst in, in Australia, and the fact that there are really clear signs within their own attempts at cost-cutting that have led them to this moment. Qantas has just announced it will cut at least 6,000 jobs across all parts of the business. So put it this way, the size of the Qantas workforce has been cut by about 9,000 jobs in the past two years of the pandemic. The airline also says 15,000 employees will continue to be stood down, particularly those associated with its international operations. And there's been some major workforce changes as well on top of all of those which Qantas, of course, says has it has had to do to cope with the shutdown of travel during the pandemic. But where it gets really interesting, if you ask me, is that when you dig into just what Qantas chose to cut during this time, you start to see some funky stuff. What do you mean by that, Rick? Can you tell me a bit more about those cuts and changes? So the, the big thing here is ground handlers. They call these below-the-wing services at airports. So pretty much anything that is on the ground outside the airport is below the wing. And in you know mid to late 2020, when news of this pandemic was kind of shooting around the world and, and we were having lockdowns and, and travel had essentially stopped, what they saw was a, an opportunity to save some cash. Now, in November 2020, Qantas said that they were letting go of these 2,000 Qantas employees who, you know, loaded planes, handled baggage, all of that stuff. And they instead were going to just hire those operators, basically cheaper labour, from other companies that were not covered by as generous uh, enterprise bargaining agreements and that were essentially third parties. So that was the announcement. Now, last month, the Federal Court of Australia found that the airline's decision to do that in the way that it did and at the time that it did was taken illegally. Nearly 2,000 Qantas staff, baggage handlers, cleaners, ramp crews lost their jobs to contract workers during the pandemic. The federal court upholding a ruling, it was illegal. There was a high-level team of executives deliberately discussing doing that move at the time it did to avoid industrial action from the Transport Workers' Union. This is the largest finding by a country mile of illegal sacking and outsourcing in Australian corporate history. 
airline executives in the group management committee uh, had actually discussed what they called a vanishing window of opportunity to pursue a complete exit from ground handling and that this would save the company $103 million annually. They knew that they could do it in a pandemic because the planes wouldn't be travelling anyway, so it would minimise disruption. So is what you're saying that even though there were these major workforce changes for thousands of ground handlers during the pandemic where they were outsourced, this was potentially part of the plan well before the pandemic? So the thing is, uh, the planes were on the ground. They they wanted to get rid of the, the ground handlers at this point because the pandemic gave them cover, but this is actually the completion of a long-held goal at Qantas and a program of outsourcing of Qantas jobs that began, you know, almost 15 years ago. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro therapy. Yeah, yeah, if, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rick, we've been talking about Australia's most prestigious airline carrier, Qantas, and how it shared a lot of staff during the pandemic. But it appears that this was actually part of a longer-term strategy and it wasn't wholly to do with lockdowns and travel bans. So, Rick, whose strategy is this and how did they lay the groundwork? It's a good question. Uh, Alan Joyce is the current Chief Executive Officer of Qantas, and, he, and he's a big personality. Qantas CEO Alan Joyce joins us now. Good morning to you, Alan. Nice to see you this morning. Good morning, Carl. Good to talk to you again. You, you Makes a lot of media appearances. He's beloved by the business pages, as is Qantas the brand, and he knows that. And what we have for you, Carl, because I know you're um, exclusively travelling in first class, <laughs> the first class cabin will have its own bed, <laughs> will have its own seat, will have its own wardrobe. The only thing it's missing is its own dunny mate, so you'll sell it. But he's also been one of the highest paid CEOs in Australia over the last decade. And he's earned about $100 million since 2008 when he became the Qantas boss. He has really been the principal architect of, and certainly the most enthusiastic champion of this plan to restructure the Qantas workforce. Qantas always had a higher cost base than the other airlines when he took over, and that was something that he had determined to change early on. It's, it's basic business, right? Lower the cost base, increase the profit. Alan was very enthusiastic about that, and he was actually determined to not just lower the cost base, but to drive it through the floor which is exactly what we've seen happen. But it's been put to me by other experts as well, company directors that I've spoken to, investors, people who get the sense that Qantas has now done, if not irreparable damage, significant damage to its brand. 
because it it you know as some one person said to me on the phone you know at what point do they just admit that they're a budget carrier so it sounds like you've been speaking to a whole range of people within Qantas and outside of it what have they been saying to you about some of these long-term consequences that are coming out of the structural workforce changes and cuts well I, I spoke to Michael Kane who is the Transport Workers Union National Secretary. Uh, 20 years ago, a Qantas job was the most sought-after job, one of the most sought-after jobs in our country. You would come to that uh, company, you would be part of building and maintaining the spirit of Australia, you would have a permanent job, it would be one that would support you, your aspirations and your family. And he told me that uh, it is, and I'm quoting him here, it is really regrettable And it's really disappointing for the Australian flying public that just when they want aviation to literally take off again, we've got airlines, and particularly Qantas, that just don't seem to be match fit. Over the last 15 years, there's been a deliberate strategy uh, to push work away from direct engagement, permanent jobs, good jobs that were sought after, to the lowest common denominator. And the Australian flying public and workers are bearing the terrible consequences of that now. Ground crew is just one example. I was talking to a former union boss and now Labor Senator Tony Sheldon who said that Qantas has, you know, treated staff such as check-in staff, the baggage handlers, the engineers, the pilots, the cabin crew and other frontline staff, um, quote-unquote, with utter contempt. And he he told me in a statement, Joyce is a textbook example of everything wrong with modern-day corporate governance. He has taken vital national infrastructure, illegally outsourced jobs and cut the pay and conditions of those who remain all to improve Qantas's margins and boost his own pay at the expense of his workers and the travelling public. In less than 15 years, Alan Joyce has trashed a century-old Australian institution. And I should say that all of this happened over the last two and a half years when Qantas got about $2 billion in Australian government slash taxpayer funding, including $855 million in JobKeeper, the clue of which ought to be in the title in that jobs should be kept. So that's the context for all of this this particular species of anger I think we're seeing about Qantas at the moment. Do you think this could be a potential turning point for Qantas? Is anything going to change or are we just going to continue to see more workforce cuts and outsourcing? Yeah, look, none of these problems are fixable unless Qantas is willing to admit that it is at least partly or you know, largely the cause of its own failures. And it is, because this workplace culture does have an impact. So there's a particular, you know, place in the hearts of many Australians for Qantas the brand and Qantas the airline, given what it has represented for Australians over the years. But uh, the temperature of the feedback I got over the weekend was that people were done with it. They were done with it because they were no longer respected by that company. And certainly that company, the reason they were not being respected was because the company had stopped respecting its workers. And, and, and right now, when you look at it, it's a pretty grim state of affairs. It's about more than people having a shitty flying experience at the moment, I think. Rick, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, thanks, Hill. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. 
Also in the news today, New South Wales Treasurer Matt Keane has announced the New South Wales state budget before the state heads to the polls in March next year. Keane revealed the government would wind back the state's reliance on stamp duty. First home buyers purchasing properties under $1.5 million will be able to choose between paying stamp duty or an annual $400 property tax plus 0.3% of the property's land value. And the trial of Brittany Higgins' alleged rapist Bruce Lerman has been again delayed after television journalist Lisa Wilkinson referenced the case while accepting a Logie Award for her work breaking the story. ACT Chief Justice Lucy McCallum has reluctantly delayed the trial, which was due to start next week. I'm Elmarsh. Marsh. This is 7am. See you later.